and you hit me three or four times and then just send me the word ping, like you're pinging me to respond to the messages that I don't want to read, okay? You know what? I may just respond with a big old fuck you. Welcome back to this week's episode of Be Bolder. This week, because I'm feeling a little sassy, I thought it would be appropriate to go off a little bit about the things that investors and entrepreneurs do in VC that annoy the ever-living hell out of people that are impacted by their actions. There's probably hundreds of these that I can, you know, name off on either side of the equation, but I'm going to hit on three important ones on both sides here that, if avoided, will probably make everyone's lives at least moderately more enjoyable in going through the investment process. So, you know what? Let's just get after it. In the vein of being bolder, we need to be aware that you know, there's types of toxic, you know, behaviors from investors and business people that we need to be able to identify and, and gut check and hard pass on when appropriate. While I'm talking about these in the context of venture capital here today, they're probably relevant when we think about them in the entirety of our lives. You know, first, I'm going to say is beware of the investor who demands to also be a consultant in your business and be paid for that. It's totally reasonable for an investor to want to be an advisor or a mentor or a board member, or a board observer, if you know, any, if they're investing the appropriate amount of money. However, when an investor or an investor group entices you with money for your business, but demands that you use their consultant services, you know, that of course you have to pay for, or worse yet, <laughs> requires you to use the law firm that some of the investors in such said group may own. Uh, that, my friends, is a strong indication that you're about to get taken. If an investor wants you to grow your business, great, awesome, we like that. They should have, you know, incentives that are the same as yours. However, if they also want you to pay them, you know, fixed consulting fees on a monthly basis to grow the business, you need to be insanely careful. In the almost 15 years that I've been doing this in this business, I would say there's only been one time in about 500 when I've seen this work out. And it was still a little bit frustrating for the entrepreneur from time to time. So, you know, I would just be really super cautious of that. You know, but worse yet, some law firms form investment groups with lawyers and, you know, some non-lawyers to their credit. But they require the businesses that they invest in to use the lawyer's law firm that formed this investment group as their legal counsel. So now as a lawyer, I can certainly comment on this. You know, I, I have a hard time seeing how you can fully believe that your advocate, your lawyer, has your best interests in mind when they have their interests on their pocketbooks in your business and maybe making money off of your business. And how can you be sure that you're really getting the benefit of the best counsel who cares about your interest when you're locked into some agreement that you can't even get out of and you're obligated to use them? Their incentive becomes to run up your fees and tell you a bunch of legal shit that you don't need, that you need to produce or spend with them. And it's just stuff that you need to stay away from. I can't caution you enough. If someone starts to say, I will give you money, but you're basically going to pay it back to me. 
You've really got to be careful about that. Second, investors who are non-responsive, I will call that at best, and can't do basic blocking and tackling like responding to emails in a timely fashion, even before the closing of an investment, you need to really be careful of those folks. You know, I was recently involved in a transaction where there was a lead VC and the lead VC would just occasionally ghost for a week at a time, sometimes two weeks at a time, took a month to flip back legal documentation that was based off of the NVCA form documents, and then tried to renegotiate the deal and get better pricing for themselves because they were dragging their feet and the business wasn't accelerating because it needed capital to accelerate, which it was depending on from these yahoos. And it wasn't getting because these yahoos were dragging their feet. You know, I would just say, <laughs> if that's how these folks are going to be now, imagine how the investor is going to behave once the investment or marriage is consummated. Um, I know you get excited out there about getting money from these folks, but please gut check it. You know, if if some, some money's just not worth it, you know, and five years of headache and frustration is a really long time. And just like in a marriage, you know, investors who are behaving this way in the beginning, they don't magically get better or behave better or you don't change them after you tie the knot with your investment. In fact, it probably gets a whole lot worse for you. So no one to tell someone that their investment is just not wanted. That's a bold move, but you'll thank yourself for it later. Third, keeping on this investor track here, if you've got a board member or an investor who's super hands-on, <laughs> but sends you down one path and then another path and then another path and asks you for ridiculous information in ridiculous formats and then keeps changing the formats and just keeps running you around rather than actually being productive, Perhaps it's time for you to, A, check with some of you know, the heads of other companies that maybe those folks are invested in, too, to see if this is like a frequent thing <laughs> and what, result, what the results have been from this you know, runaround or these constant changing of directions. I've seen folks do this where they run people ragged, telling them to go one direction, another direction, change here, pivot here, change there. And it just gets the company nowhere. In fact, it's almost like having the minus touch, if you will, right? It's the opposite of the Midas or the magic touch, if you're wondering what that is. With those people, you need to stand in your own confidence and power and, and look at the data and see what that's telling you. And, you know, tell them that you'll take the course that the data is telling you to take or customer discovery is telling you to take, not them, because you need to believe more in you and what you know about your business than sometimes some Yahoo who's just telling you to change here, move here, do this, do that. You know, especially if you're working with larger corporations and you've got an investor who's telling you to pivot here, pivot there, do this, do that. And you're working with large corporations on the other side as your customer. Large corporations don't move quickly. So if you're ping ponging all over the damn place, you look like an asshole to these folks and they're not going to want to work with you. So don't listen to these people with the, the minus touch, right? Tell them to sit in the corner, <laughs> tell them to behave themselves, and they can, you know, participate in the board meetings and thank them respectfully for their time, but you cannot be wasting time running around. You need to do what's best for the business and, you know, prep for the blowback that might come from that person, you know, misbehaving or <laughs> being challenging with you, but align yourself with others who aren't lunatics and are going to help the business and help grow the business the best that you can.
and entrepreneurs, <laughs> not every step you take is perfect either. So let me fill you in on some of the stuff that frankly annoys the hell out of investors and probably actually costs you investment sometimes. So first, there's a difference between persistence and annoyance. I get it. You know, every entrepreneur has a touch of, you know, hustle and aggression and all of that within them. And you want to push for your business. You want to push it forward. So you think that, you know, daily emails or calls or texts or whatever to a potential contact is a great idea. And look, if the investor is responding and you guys have a very good rapport and it's going back and forth, great. Keep that conversation going. You're not being annoying then. But if there isn't a conversation that's going back and forth, you need to be questioning if you're following up aggressively and respectfully or if you're just being an asshole. So what doesn't make sense is to email, text, or call constantly when you're not actually engaged in a dialogue. I don't know if this is some sort of flaw in society or some weird level of expectations that have been set or whatever, but just because you send someone five messages to which they've responded to none, reminder, they don't actually owe you a response. You don't need, they don't need to set something up with you via your little calendarly or whatever the hell that's called, you know, invite. They don't need to set up a Zoom call with you. They don't owe you anything. Okay. And so don't, push them aggressively like they, they do, right? When you basically effectively cyber stalk someone <laughs> you're not actually engaged in a conversation with, they may think you're like unwell <laughs> or they may just think that this person is like, you know, tipped from being a persistent human being to downright annoying. And, you know, speaking of annoying, this is just an LKS special, you know, bonus here, but if someone like myself doesn't respond to you when we haven't been chatting and you hit me three or four times and then just send me the word ping, like you're pinging me to respond to the messages that I don't want to read, okay? You know what? I may just respond with a big old fuck you, honestly, because that's rude. It's disrespectful. I don't owe you anything. I don't know why you're emailing me or messaging me or LinkedIn messaging me or whatever. I don't owe it to you. Don't, don't set, set a ping. You're not going to get a response, okay? Also, if you give me a bunch of options when I haven't responded to you, like A, follow up with me aggressively, or B, set up a meeting, or C, don't bother me. I'm literally going to pick C every single time. Do not do this, okay? Very, very dumb. You know, if you send me nonsense like this, I'm just going to give you a warning. We do hand out boldies at the end of the year, okay? And, and we have them for you know, the most uh, aggressive uh, direct messenger. <laughs> we have them for the worst pitch. We have them for the most buzzwords that are included in a message. Don't, don't end up on the boldy list. Don't. You, this is not a place that you want to be, okay? Two, being bolder means being confident in your choices, right? So it's your choices, it's your decisions. And that's different. Confidence is different than cockiness or arrogance, okay? Being comfortable in your choices and knowing you did the best you could based on the facts and the data before you, you know, that's acting confidently and leading your business that way is one thing. And that's the way you should be doing, right? Thinking you're a know-it-all or better than others because you're a founder who's received some level invest of investment is just not okay. And, that, and honestly, that spreads throughout these communities. So you have to be super careful. These ecosystems are not that big. You know, and I've watched what could have been a highly successful startup, you know, 
flounder and ultimately fall apart because the founder thought he knew everything. He was too cocky to ask for help when, you know, the, the company was hemorrhaging cash while still figuring out their business model and, you know, who used people to get information that he thought he needed and then was just dismissive of them once he got what he needed. And I think it's no coincidence, right, that the company crashed and burned because the leader was too, you know, GD arrogant to ask for help or guidance. And by the time he did, everyone, he thought he was this like ridiculous know-it-all or, you know, a brat. And the business was too far gone to even be salvaged. Bold people are confident, not cocky, condescending assholes. Okay, get that straight. Third, the boldest know that it is okay and good to seek mentorship and guidance, but they also know when to ignore advice and just say no to it. I watched one founder inve I invested in struggle with this, like many do, right? But but this one stands out for the for the wrong reasons. Unfortunately, this founder sought mentorship and guidance in developing his business model. He collected great customer discovery you know, and developed a business model accordingly based on the data and the facts before him, okay? However, he also continued to seek mentorship from every Yahoo on the internet machine with mentor or advisor in their LinkedIn profile, none of which had any level of investment in this dude's company and all of whom provided different, oftentimes horrible advice and are not the people that you should be asking for this advice in the first place, okay? The founder ended up, you know, steering away from what, his customer discovery told him and the data had told him and it sent him down a totally different unclear path okay and his business is now struggling hard and he keeps taking advice from every tom dick and henrietta that you know will give him something to noodle on it's just a freaking mess every entrepreneur needs to know when and how to stand in their own power and how to take advice from folks you know that actually do give advice that can be helpful People sometimes think they're being helpful. They're just not helpful. And you have to learn how to discern from like the truly helpful and the not quite as helpful. Not all mentors are created equal. Some should not even be mentors in the first place. Just leave it at that. So be weary of who provides you advice. Trust in your own power and be bold enough to tell folks to pound sand when they're running you ragged or just providing you with crap advice. Tune in next week when we're joined by a colleague of mine who hopes to see VC, uh, you know, changed a little bit here in the not too distant future. He's a really, really good guy and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Until next time, remember, don't just be bold, be bolder. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on Insta at BeBolderCast or visit our blog at TheBolderLife.com. If you have questions or suggestions for me, leave me a message at 614-706-6693. 